Marissa Norcross. And I'm Dave Freund, and this is The Next Page. Marissa, how are you today? I am great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm, I'm getting over a cold. Mm-hmm. Do you notice how I said that in a positive way? I'm getting over You're getting a cold? over it. You're on the upswing. I have not really had a cold in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. But I have it now. <laughs> along with, it's from what you're telling me, along with probably... A lot of people. A lot of people in central New York. Mm-hmm. Which is okay, because you know what? I'm getting over it. Mm-hmm. The worst is behind me. Yep. So I'm moving forward. So today, as I mentioned last week, today we're talking about courage. And people have probably noticed, like, I've been on this really weird thought process around leadership lately. And I, you know, I had the, the, the post where I said, I'm leadership sad. And, mm-hmm. and, and I really, so I was, I was looking for another book to, to listen to. And I stumbled on one called Three Days in Moscow by Brett Baer. And as soon as I started listening to it, I knew I needed to buy the book, mm-hmm. the hard copy. So, and I've already got it highlighted. I've got pieces of paper <laughs> stuck in here. And as I went through that, I really got what I believe is a good portrait of what courage in a leader looks like. So that's the basis of what, what, um, what I wrote about today. And it was a long post. Um, Mm-hmm. Probably one of the longest ones I've ever written, and I don't know how to shorten it because <laughs> I have to say what I need to say type of thing. Yeah. But so the book, just to refresh people's memories, I may have mentioned it in one of our other podcasts, but so the book starts out with the idea of there's three days that President Ronald Reagan is in Moscow, and he's going to give a speech to the Moscow State University. And the way Brett Bear writes his three-day series of books is he gives you an event and then to set the tone for the event, he goes back to the key character's life from birth on. And so this really is a, a great book about the life of Reagan, President Reagan. And the interesting thing is that pre, pre-presidency is a really small part of the book, mm-hmm. but it's an important part of the book. And so as I was kind of going through this book, and I, I'm actually, parts of it I'm going through for a second time already. But I, these are the four things that jumped out at me that I think make up courage in a leader. The first one is you need to know who you are. The second one is you need to know you you need to know why you do what you do. The third one is you need to lead with compassion, and the fourth is you stay the course. And I think that those four things allow a leader to really live out their courage. And, and so what do I mean by that? So I want to, I, I wrote some things here that what courage is not. Mm-hmm. Courage is not being bombastic and screaming at people. Not going to say why I thought of that. <laughs> courage is not spinning your image or the facts to get yourself in a position of authority. And I won't say what we're thinking about with that. But it's much deeper than that. It really is, it's... It's, it's, it's really understanding, again, like I said, knowing who you are. And, and one of the interesting things that I found in the book is that Ronald Reagan really began to understand what his calling was all about when he was the president of the Screen Actors Guild. 
So he's not a very good actor. He's a B-rate actor. <laughs> um, so he's not going to, you know, he's not going to make a bunch of money being, um, being an actor. I mean, he's going to get by. He's going to have a nice life, but he's not going to get rich doing that, so to speak. And he ends up being elected to the Screen Actors Guild. And, and there was, at the time, um, Senator McCarthy was in Washington, and he was holding these hearings, um, trying to, it's called, um, he was trying to investigate communism in, in the United States. And I forgot the, name, the exact name of the, the hearings that were going on, but it was some fancy name. And, of course, Reagan gets called to testify. And while he's listening and investigating and hearing all the things about how the Soviets were infiltrating Hollywood, he's realizing the danger that's there. He's realizing that this could be something very serious, but he's not willing to give names. He's not going to sell out people. He, you know, he said, because what he realized was that as soon as he did that, all of these people would be marked and labeled. And he didn't have facts. He said, people need to be judged for themselves, and he's not going to be the person that's going to sell anybody out. So he already, he already saw this, this amazing level of compassion and an, and an understanding of, of a person's personal rights. So he comes back from Washington and, and the next thing he knows is there's this young actress, her name's Nancy Davis, and she just happens to be in a pickle because another Nancy Davis is a communist sympathizer. And now she's going to be railroaded out of, out of Hollywood because of, they have the same name. So someone says to him, you know, would you be willing to at least look into this? So he does, and he says, you know what, listen, we need to help this young woman. It, it just isn't right that that she's going to be railroaded out of Hollywood because of this. And so he puts his own reputation on the line to defend a person that, and I, and I did find, um, I, I did find that the name of this, now I lost it again. See there, I saw it a minute ago and <laughs> I lost it. Anyways, so, so anyways, he's, he, he's going to put his own reputation on the line to defend some young actress that he doesn't even know. Mm-hmm. Well, now if people picked up on the name, Nancy Davis was going to be Nancy Reagan at some point. But mm -hmm. that was not at all why Ronald <laughs> Reagan decided to take her case. That may have been one of the reasons why she wanted to meet him personally. I don't know. But it clearly was not. Um, he had no idea what was going on um, at the time. So anyway, so you see that where he, he knows who he is and he knows what he values. And what he values is individual rights and he values liberty. So then my next point was, know why you do what you do. And what was crazy was Reagan had to endure incredible blowback from the media. So I'm going to move forward. And so we, you know, he, um, how did, what, he, he, he stayed the course when people were lying. You know, the media was lying about him. The, the media said he was a warmonger. The media said he was someone who was too simple. He wasn't smart enough to lead the country. Um, they said he's an actor. What does an actor know about reading the country, running the country? And all of these things kept, he just kept going. He never allowed it to get himself rattled. And leading with compassion. 
So one of the things that Reagan did, and I, this all comes together, I promise you, even <laughs> okay. if I can't remember the name of that, that House or Senate committee. Um, in one of his time when he needs to make some money because he's not that good of an actor, he, decide, uh, he was hired by General Electric to be their spokesperson for their Sunday night movie type thing. And what he did was he traveled to all 100 and over eight years, traveled to all 139 General Electric plants. He met with over a quarter of a million GE employees. Wow. And he just listened to them. He wanted to hear their stories. He wanted to hear their dreams, their hopes, their fears. And these were things that caused something in him to not give up and stay the course, which was the fourth part. He had to stay the course. He couldn't back away. Even when everybody else was, again, maligning him. You know, we think the media is bad now, and the media is bad now. I mean, I, you know, it doesn't matter which media you go to. They all have a bias. They all have an agenda, and it always was. And again, they called him horrible things. You know, they, they said that he was, you know, again, a warmonger, and he was stupid, and he, you know, how does he, what does he know? Um, they talked about the fact that, you know, he was nothing more than an actor that wore makeup every time he was out in public and dyed his hair. And the reality was he never dyed his hair and he didn't wear makeup in public. That was just his, his, his normal skin tones. So why am I saying he stayed the course? Um, even his advisors told him to be careful of the rhetoric that he would use. Now, I, I challenge anybody, anybody listening, go do some searches, YouTube searches of Ronald Reagan speeches. You will never hear a bombastic person shouting. It's always quiet. It's always, it could be firm, but it was always with a, a bit of compassion. And so the, the best example was he, um, He's going to go to, to West Berlin. He's going to be visiting the city. He's going to give a speech. And all of his advisors and the German government said, do not mention the Berlin Wall. Don't mention the wall. Don't rile the Russians up. Don't rile the Soviets up. Just basically play nice. And he couldn't do that because he realized what was on the other side of the wall. And it's in the speech. On one side of the wall is prosperity and restaurants and, you know, and art galleries and universities and people are able to buy things and drive nice cars. And on the other side of the wall is barbed wire, guard houses, and dog runs. And the city's bleak and it's dirty and people don't have the opportunity. And so, going against all of the advisors, he says those famous words, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And those of us that know history know that the wall did come down. And I actually, last evening, watched a YouTube video of a BBC interview with Gorbachev. And Gorbachev said, yeah, we decided that we would not interfere when the Germans started taking the wall down. German citizens started taking the wall down. Hmm. But Reagan had to have the courage to speak up. Right. 
And and so people put people people said, you know, this is horrible. This guy, he, all he wants is is a nuclear war. When what his truth was that his he believed that one of his key purposes of his presidency was to end the nuclear arms race. It was Reagan that got the that that had them starting to reduce the START treaty, where they started reducing the number of missiles. Mm -hmm. um, people felt that he was making these silly off-the-cuff comments when every one of the comments that he made was purposeful. He wanted people like Gorbachev to hear what he was saying. So, so what's the goal? Well, what we know happened was the wall came down, and Ronald Reagan did end the Cold War. You know, your generation doesn't. So, how much do you remember of? Those days, like 88, 89, 1990. Wasn't born yet. <laughs> there you go. Because I was thinking my son Mike was, but you're, you're much younger than Mike. You weren't born yet. No. So imagine a city in, Europe, in Germany, in a part of Germany, where only part of the city is democratic. Mm -hmm. And it is locked inside a part of a totally closed society. That was Berlin. There was East yeah. and West Berlin in mm -hmm. East Germany. There were Germans that couldn't live the way their German brethren could. They couldn't worship the way they wanted to. And Reagan just thought that was injustice. And he wasn't going to stand for it. Mm -hmm. So he takes a hard line. So we say, okay, so what good came, well, what good came out of it? The Cold War ended. Um, he established a really great friendship with Gorbachev. Which, and so part of it is, had Gorbachev not been the Soviet leader, at one point in the book, Reagan keeps saying, how can I establish a relationship with the Soviet uh, leaders? They all keep dying. And they did. One after another died. You know, we, we were all concerned that our president was old because he was 69 when he was elected. Mm -hmm. But within a short period of time, three Soviet general secretaries, I guess they call them, die. Wow. And then Gorbachev the first one that's installed as a lead and, and Reagan played hardball. And there were times when Gorbachev would say, you know, Mr. President, this is what we need to do. And Reagan would just say, no, we're not going to do that. Because the goal was to work to eliminate nuclear weapons. So how, how did it end? Well, we know what it ended. The wall came down. Um, the, Perestroika, which is what Gorbachev called his, his opening of the society in, in the Soviet Union, um, went forward. We do know that the Soviet Union collapsed. Um, it's, and Reagan knew, and he, he said, I knew that it was not sustainable, a government like that. Mm -hmm. There's interesting things that happen in this. So the two men... Um, become really good friends. They actually get to the point where they're calling each other by their first name. And on the day before Reagan gives his speech at Moscow State University, he goes into Gorbachev's office in the morning and they start talking. And Reagan pulls out a jean jacket, a denim jacket that he wanted to give to Gorbachev. And Gorbachev says, Ron, there's something even nicer that I have for you. And in his desk were letters 
that were sent by Russian people to President Reagan, but at, sent through the Kremlin. And these are what some of the letters said. Our baby daughter, weighing 3,100 grams, was born on May 28, the eve of your first visit to our country. With the best of intentions, we wish to name her Rigana, your surname, with the addition of the letter A. We want to tell you about this and request for your consent. Wow. Another one. We are happy about your arrival. We have just had a baby girl, and we ask your permission to name her Nancy. Mm -hmm. Esteemed Mr. President, on the eve of your arrival in the Soviet Union, our son was born as a sign of strengthening friendships between the peoples of the USSR and the USA. We have decided to name our son Ronald. We invite you to become godfather to our son. And these just continue. Mm -hmm. So that's the man that the media maligned as a warmonger. And the Soviet people understood his heart, because of the way he spoke. You know, and, and, and when he stood up in front of a giant statue of Lenin at the Soviet, um, at the Moscow State University, he spoke of peace, he spoke, he, he talked about human rights, he talked about everything that, you know, we hold dear in this country, and basically gave them this encouragement to pursue the same thing. And people saw a friend in Ronald Reagan, even though the media in our own country was labeling it as, as a warmonger. I just found that fascinating. That was the courage to stay the course. And when you do, things work out well. Um, there was, in his last speech, his farewell speech to the, to, to, from the Oval Office in, in January, just before he, he, um, left the White House, one of the things that I made note of is he talked about an, a new patriotism. And I love what he said here. This national feeling is good, but it won't count for much and it won't last unless it's grounded in thoughtfulness and knowledge. And if we think of what's happening today, there's no thoughtfulness. People just attack each other. Maybe one of the mm -hmm. best things that happened today was Instagram and Facebook are down. I know. <laughs> so you can't trash anybody today mm -hmm. on Instagram or Facebook. I don't know if Twitter's running, but Instagram and Facebook are the same organization. So it was, it was such a refreshing book. And, and, and the interesting thing is, toward the end of it, is he's, so this was, you kind of wonder, so what did people think that were around him? And so they talk about after um, the ceremony, um, after he's getting ready, he and Barbara are getting ready to leave. And, and Fitzwater was his, his press secretary. He said, Fitzwater recalled that standing on the steps watching the, hel the helicopter lift off, he, James Baker, and George Bush all cried. Baker and Fitzwater would be staying on Baker's secretary of state, and though they were excited about their new beginning, the full force of what they had lived with that man fell over them and they couldn't stop the tears. So they realized the impact of what had happened and they were also just so amazed at mm -hmm. what this man was able to accomplish with compassion, you know, knowing who he was, knowing why he did what he did 
leading with compassion and staying the course, he truly changed the world. Now the fun, the, not fun, the, the somewhat sad piece is in, in this interview with Gorbachev, which I think was a year ago. The BBC, they asked him, they said, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, is the Cold, world, is the cold War over? And he paused and he said, it's getting a little chilly. Mm. Because we don't have the Reagans, mm -hmm. a Ronald Reagan. So that's just my reminiscing and book report, whatever you want to call it. But I really <laughs> I believe that, you, that leadership, courage, leadership, courage in leadership is lived out mm -hmm. when you know who you are, you know why you do what you do, you lead with compassion and you stay there. So my question for you, I guess, yes. you know, that the, the story you told, that's certainly, a, I guess, a tall order there um, to live up to. But if there's one thing to take away from these four points that you shared today, what, what would that be? Which one of the four? Well, or just kind of one thing to to walk away with that you or one thing that you could you know do now mm. to put yourself on this path oh that that's a good one so I, I think i think what you need to do to put yourself on the path is start and kind of work through the four mm -hmm. you need to start by knowing who you are and why do you do what you do type of thing will come next and and reagan you know was was a, a, a grew up in a poor home you know, put himself through school, um, just believed in the American dream, and it propelled him. He, he actually said that he, he, he was actually able to hear Roosevelt give a speech somewhere in Iowa, uh, a re-election speech, and he said, I remembered how Roosevelt made us feel. He truly helped us believe that the only fear we had was fear itself. And he said, I wondered, could I ever do something like, could I ever be that kind of leader? And he mm -hmm. really was. So I would think you have to, you just, it's this process. You start with knowing who you are and then why you do what you do. And then remember, you always have to use compassion. And you need to stay the course. And if you stay the course without compassion, you lose the connection with the people. Mm -hmm. Because Reagan's compassion was evident. So even though the media were jerks like the media typically are, the American people liked him, loved him. Biggest landslide, I think, in history was the 84 re-election of Reagan. Um, I could be wrong. Somebody can fact check me on that. But I know it was 49 states. Wow. Um, and the Soviet people loved him. Now, there's another testimony to courage, too, and that's Mikhail Gorbachev, because he continued with his reforms, and he was actually put under house arrest in, I think, August of 1991, while on vacation in the Crimea, because he was making enemies within the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. And the one disagreement that Gorbachev and Reagan had was over SDI, the Strategic Defense Initiative, that some people refer to as Star Wars, where Ronald Reagan believed that we could build a defense system that would shoot 
ICBMs out of space. So if you remove if you remove the ability if you removed the risk of the rockets getting to you, then what's the point in having nuclear warheads on on rockets? And Reagan believed that we could do it, and Gorbachev did not believe that it was defensive. He thought it was somehow an offensive weapon. So Reagan mm-hmm. said, "Well, we'll just we'll share the information." That was their only real key point of contention that kept flaring up. But Reagan wouldn't back down. He said, no, we're not going to stop working on that. And it's interesting that recently the House of Representatives passed some spending to help keep the defense shield over the nation of Israel. That was Hmm. questioned a couple weeks ago as to whether or not it Mm -hmm. would pass, and it did. So a, a version of it is actually working to protect Israel from missiles. Wow. So. That's a long about way of answering your question. <laughs> but it took two men yeah. who knew where they were, why they did what they did, both leading with compassion, both wanting to stay the course, and both of them feeling that they had to somehow eliminate nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. And that they did not do. And it still bothers Gorbachev, at least as of last year, as a 90-year-old being interviewed by the BBC. So now you want to know what I'm going to talk about next week. I have no idea. (laughs) And I don't think I'll be reading another book between now and then. So, but it might be something that springboards off of this. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. Sounds good. So it's not sunny and blue skies today. It's kind of gray. Yeah. It's not the most beautiful day, but that's okay. It helps us appreciate the good ones. Exactly. Exactly. Anything exciting coming up? No, not really. Just, you know, a lot of fall things I have on my yep. on my list. Okay. How well, I'm hoping I'm hoping that within the next week I can take my final boat ride of the year. That would be wonderful. Oh wow. Who knows? We'll see. Okay. So with that, I'm Dave Freund. I'm Marissa Norcross. This was the next page.